Thank you. God tells us in his word to uh, set our eyes on the things that are above and not on the things that are of this earth. And uh, he gave five different pictures at different times, at different seasons in people's life from different authors. And he gave them a glimpse into the kingdom of heaven, and all five of them had the exact same picture. All five of them saw the very same thing. And they began to see something, and so I believe that it's not just a, a illustration, it is true. And God says, take every concern that you have and write it on the scroll before you. And so I want you to do something before we go into something. I want you to take whatever concern you have right now, if it's on the political world or if it's something in your, in your home or something that's going on in your life, I want to imagine that you've got it in a scroll in your hand. And God says, now come before the throne of heaven and come before there where the Son of God reigns. And it says lightning is flashing hitherto and thunder and hand him your scroll. And he says, I take that which is in your hands and the fiery presence of God beautifully destroys and takes care of that scroll. And he says, release it, cast it onto me for I have taken care for you. Do that as I pray. Father, as we open your word, we honor you. And we know that the word is something that just reflects and points to you because you are the life, the only life. And there is no life in or outside of you, only within you. Take these cares and concerns and just burn them up. Let us know as Tom prayed and as we sang, there is one king and this is a king of glory and he's mighty and strong in battle. And we hand these things to you, and we are so honored that we can come before you. And we ask it in your precious name. As I was uh, walking out the door today, my wife read me a little story. My next-door neighbor, uh, past next-door neighbor, little girl named Izzy, uh, five years old, uh, she kept hearing and overhearing everybody's concern about what was going on in the country and what was going on in the world. And... Uh, and I think that uh, she could teach us all a lesson. Izzy says, I think I'll just stay in my pajamas and wait till Christmas. <laughs> now, there's a lot more in there than you think. And I think that what God's going to ask you to do is stay in your pajamas and wait for Christ. He is king and he is glory. Uh, I was assigned a passage of scripture as we met a couple weeks ago with the preachers. And they kind of laughed because somehow they gave me this portion of Scripture. And I pondered on how to talk to you about it, and I decided to try something a little bit different with Scripture, and, and the illustration came to me when somebody, a friend of mine, and then my brother-in-law told me that if you've ever not tried fly fishing, you ought to give it a try. Because fly fishing is, there's something about it that is just incredible. And I know some of you out here are fly fishermen. Uh, I am not a good fly fisherman, uh, but I get the job done, and I lose track of time when I'm out there. And so they told me how to fly fish. And when they told me how to fly fish, I went out to try what they had told me, and I was a complete disaster. And until a couple of them took me under their wing, took me out, and actually showed me the process of fly fishing, actually helped me with my arm, and began to show me I did not and I could not do it. 
And so in light of that, I would like to have you uh, join me as I look at the scriptures and I, rather than have us up here and tell you about the scriptures, I would like to have you, some of you this is going to be very elementary to because you are avid people that study the scriptures and you know how to weave and intermingle in the scriptures, but some are not. And so we are simply going to study the scriptures today together. If you have your Bible, have it ready. If you have your tablet, have it ready. Because I never study the scriptures that the scriptures don't lead me to other scriptures that point to God to clarify what's being said in the scriptures. If you just take that portion of scripture and you miss the whole theme of what God is doing, you're going to misinterpret scripture. And therefore, if it's misinterpreted, you will misapply it. And you will not reflect what you were designed to reflect. So first and foremost of all, I think it's important that you and I understand what is the purpose of mankind. And there are two parts to that purpose that God over and over reveals. And then as you saw, uh, as I think Nick was talking that week, that he was talking about a covenant, a new covenant that was coming that was going to go ahead and supersede the old covenant. And that new covenant that said the angels looked and they were just absolutely blown away at this mystery of a new covenant, that God would come and live inside man the way he was intended to have him. So first of all, you were made and I was made as a container to contain the life of God. We were made to house God. God never made us to be independent of God. And so we were made as containers that God would live in. And God himself is the life that you and I are longing for from the day we're born. But also that container, when you pour something in a glass or a cup, it holds the water, but the purpose of it holding the water is twofold, so that it can be poured out or drank. And so you are a container to be housing the life of God, so that you, therefore, can go ahead from that life that lives within you, can now pour that life onto other people and demonstrate God's life to other people. That is how every single scripture in the Bible needs to be read through. It needs to be interpreted that way. And if you miss that, you're going to misinterpret the scriptures. And so as we look here, we're going to see that this is God's design. And so we're going to start in John or 1 John, uh, chapter 2, verses 18. Interesting that we get this today. And so I'm going to kind of walk through kind of some of this I'm just going to do while I'm up here. It's not something that I wrote and prepared. I'm just going to basically say when I study this depth of passage that actually has a lot of different issues, how would I study this? And how would I look at it? First it says, children, it is the last hour and just as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, coming, even now many Antichrists have risen, for we know that it is the last hour. Okay, so you have heard of the Antichrist. And, and remember, John also wrote the Gospel of John. And in John chapter uh, 24, he goes into great detail to tell you about the Antichrist and that we would be aware of those last days and the coming of the Antichrist. He's making mention of it here, 
But he doesn't go on. He goes on to something different here. So you have to look that this passage is not a passage necessarily for you and I to spend our whole time in the Antichrist. He wants to bring something a little bit broader, a little bit deeper. If we go over to Matthew 24, and we look at Matthew 24, it says that, And Jesus answered and said, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will mislead you. And at the first time, many will fall away and will deliver you up, to, and they will start to hate one another, and false prophets and false teachers will arise and mislead you because of the lawlessness that has been increasing. So I, I do take this into consideration. I say, God, you have given us the truth about who you are, and there is going to be a antichrist that will come. And the word antichrist is very important. You understand what the meaning of the word is. So I will look up the word, even if I've read this a hundred times. I want to look up what is the Greek meaning of this. What were they originally meaning? And here is something that's quite interesting. The antichrist obviously is antichrist. Okay. But there's way more. It also takes on instead of Christ. Instead of Christ. I want you to listen to that because now he's going to take it personally. Remember, he goes on now and he says, Children, and he says, that, Arise from this, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us, for they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out in order that it might be shown that all are not of us. Now, this instead of is very, very interesting, taking the purpose of mankind. And it basically means that I might put trust in something other than Christ, instead of Christ. We see a world topsy-turvy today because we have taken on the spirit of Antichrist. We have taken on the spirit that we are going to trust political people instead of Christ. And so we get up in arms and we fight and we, we're going to stab each other's reputations and dash each other because we are trying to get life from the outside in rather from the inside out. And he's saying, this is a topsy-turvy world. You were made to contain life yourself so that from that life you can give out. We people in this room ought to be the ones that are saying, wait a minute, God, don't let me take on this antichrist spirit, this one that says that I'm going to trust in something instead of Christ. And that's part of it. And you have to be honest with yourself. This is talking about a spirit of the age, which I believe we are in, where people are, not only are they saying that there's, they're going to have something to trust in instead of Christ, those that are going to be religious enough, and that's some of us many times, we're going to say Christ plus something. If we have Christ plus this person in, in charge, or Christ plus this, and he's saying no. No. The Antichrist is one that comes and decides that they're going to go ahead and, and be against Christ or Antichrist, or instead of Christ, rather than realize that this whole story is about this Christ who is the life that possesses you. And so when I look at that, and I study through that, I said, okay, but then you, in verse 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. 
For I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Now here's what's being said, and you've got to look at some of the other cross-references to this. If you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, and you have come to the realization that you and your own efforts and your own flesh could not come into a right relationship with God. You cannot have him fill you and contain you on your own efforts. And you throw up your hands and you say, I cannot do it, for I am totally against God whether I want to admit it or not. And so therefore I receive the gift of Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. It says when you receive that gift, you receive the author of truth. And that Holy Spirit is the author of truth, and it says, and that anointing came upon you. And you're going to see when we finish here, and this is one of the verses they didn't want to have, it says, and now that you've got the anointing and the Holy Spirit, you don't need anybody to teach you. Boy, that sounds scary. And I'm here to tell you, you don't need anybody to teach you, for the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And we're going to come to that, and I'll make more sense out of that. You all possess the very life of God if you've come to faith. He goes on and he says in verse 22, Who is the liar but the one who denies, and that means either rejects or replaces Jesus Christ. This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father, and the one who confesses the Son has the Father. Let me pause for a minute there because that kind of can stretch out over a lot of things. There's a lot of teachings and a lot of religions and there's a lot of different movements, uh, especially in the area of psychology, that are going ahead and they're going to say, you can trust in something. Make, make whatever God is going to be your God. Get your own higher power and trust in your higher power. This says that if you do not have the Son and do not proclaim Jesus Christ, you do not have the Father. They don't come in pieces. And Philip, who didn't understand this, one of the apostles said, just in John 14, he says, just show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And remember what he said, Philip, Philip, have I been with you this long and you don't understand? He that has me has the Father. Believe me that I and the Father are one, or believe me that the Father and I are one, or else believe him by the works and the wonders that you've seen yourself. I testify to you that if you have the Son, you have the Father. If you try to have the Father without the Son, you are exercising the spirit of Antichrist. You are Antichrist. You are having something instead of Christ. It really boils down to every message you hear, if it's an accurate message, is proclaiming Christ. You ought to walk out of here... Uh, somehow believing bigger in Christ, that he's bigger and stronger than he was before he came in here. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. And then it says, As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also abide in the Son and the Father. So now we go back, and I'm going to, if I was going to study, I'd go back and say, Okay, God, you started out by saying we are in an hour, the last hour. Now you're saying, well, boy, he was wrong. He thought he was in the last hour. He didn't. He never looked ahead and saw where we were. Well, I can tell you that I had a thought like this 50 years ago. 50 years ago, I was walking in a direction of my life. I thought it was a pretty good direction of my life. I was going okay. And some uh, evangelist named David Wilkerson came to town, and he 
went down to an auditorium, and somehow I got convinced to go there. My older brother kind of coerced me to go there. And I went uh, to this conference, and, or this evangelistic meeting, and it was during a time, if some of you were old enough to remember when the Time magazine and uh, some of the things came out and the headline said, God is dead. It was back in the 60s and the, in the 70s, it said, God is dead. And that people had pretty much rejected that. And they had said, what we've been seeing in our ancestors isn't working, it's not working. And they had seen a picture of a very religious world that did not show the power of God or the who God was. And, and so we came into this thing as a pretty much a picture of God being dead. I'm not sure we're very far from that now. It's embarrassing to be a part of the human race today, in my opinion. And so when I look at that, I see the last hour. I think in every writer in the Bible, they thought it was the last hour. That tells me something. Because I, I first will argue and say, well, God, he had it wrong. But when I look at it and say, God, our hearts, and this is what he says in Matthew 24, he said, you don't know the time, you don't know the season, you don't know the hour, not even the sun or the angels know the hour, only the Father. He said, so be ready at all times as though it was the last hour. We ought to be living today as though Christ will come this afternoon. What would you do differently if Christ was coming this afternoon? I hope you would be a container to recognize the very life of God inside you so that you could now become a container that would pour out this living water unto people. And that is poured out, he says, by fulfilling his commandment. And then he says, and by the way, if you want to know what my commandment is, it is to love one another as, as in no greater love can this be that a man lay down his life for his brother or sister. That word life is an interesting life. It is not your physical bias life. That it, life is the word psyche. It means lay down those emotions and those things you want to stand for and those things that you have gripped for and lay them down so that you can come alongside another person. And when God says, when I see that demonstrated, I will know at that point that you are keeping my commandments. There's two types of wisdom in this world, it says in James. It says there's a wisdom from above, and it comes down, and it unites brothers and sisters together, and it causes harmony. And there's another wisdom that says it comes, and it's demonic, and it moves and separates. I've never seen a world so separated, or at least I shouldn't say a world, the United States so separated as I've seen it today. And when I was looking at this and studying it and God began to show me something, I confess to you right now a sin that I saw and I wouldn't doubt that you have it. Don't we realize when we look and listen to the polls and the elections, somehow we big shots think America's the big shot. It isn't. It isn't even talked about at the end of the days. We aren't the center of the world. And I think it's important, and it's about time we realize it, this world isn't revolving around America or around you. Amen. A verse just keeps jumping in my head while I'm up here, so I think I'm going to share it. I wanted to celebrate the day after, but I thought that we'd have a solution the day after election. But I wanted to celebrate, and I wanted my brothers and sisters to celebrate. And what would they celebrate? I said, basically, my candidate won. He ran independent. Who is this? Open your gates wide, O ancient doors, and let the King of glory come in. Who is the King of glory? 
the one strong and mighty in battle. He is the king of glory. And then it goes on in that psalm, and he says, he says, I am the judge, and there is no judge beside me. And the whole earth quieted itself, and it says it quieted itself to respond to this king of glory. When he comes back this next time, he's not coming swaddled in a thing. He's coming with all power. And I think that he ought to come. And this might, you might not like part of this message, but if you go over to Matthew 24 and you see the last days, and let's say we are in the last days, and let's say that he is going to come and he is going to make things right. Folks, there's a tough time before that. There's viruses and there's wars and there's hurricanes and there's... And we somehow think we're going to be protected from it all. If you live in this physical world and your life is coming from that which is outside, you're in for a whale of a problem. And I would say get on your crash helmets because it's going to be tough. And this is what he goes on to say here. And he says, uh, verse 23, Whoever then denies the Son does not have the Father, and the one who confesses the Son will have the Father. But as for you... Let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and the Father. And this is the promise which he himself made to us, eternal life. What is eternal life? John 17, 3 says, eternal life is that you would know the Father and have intimate intercourse with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ, and you would be a container. That is eternal life, that you know him. And then he goes on and he says, and then he said, these things I've written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. Those are the antichrist or get something instead of Christ. If you get Christ plus this or you get Christ plus that or Christ plus this type of teaching, it doesn't matter. Anything that they're going to try to tell you to add on to Christ, and this is what was happening when John wrote this letter. And he says, and as for you, the anointing which you receive from me abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But his anointed teaches you about all things, and is true, and it's not a lie, just as he has taught you and abides in you. Now let me pause. I would be deceiving myself to think that I am going to be up here, and I'm going to teach you something that you don't have the power and the ability to already hear and know and study before I teach it to you. I would hope that when we up here share with you that it would just confirm something you've already been being taught by Jesus Christ but through the Holy Spirit. Back in the days when I uh, was studying in the Catholic Church uh, when I grew up, there was basically a time where only the priests got the Bible and they, because they believed that only they could be the teachers and they could teach you. And there became a great reformation and a divide because it says that everybody that comes to faith has the ability to have the Holy Spirit and understand the Scriptures. And this is what it's saying here is don't let somebody come and tell you something and you believe what they're saying without you going back and studying these Scriptures to see are they true? And then he talks about in here that you have no need to be taught. And I believe what he's saying is this. You don't need us to teach you new things. Study yourself. Go back and look. Go back and see that under the theme of what God has told you is the Scriptures. Find out what he's saying. 
and begin to form for yourself. Then it says, and this is all through the scriptures, it's wise for you then to seek counsel to find out, does this sound true? Does this sound like it's online? The person that doesn't do that, it says, the person that isolates himself in his knowledge will soon quarrel against good sound thinking and he'll begin to form himself uh, teachers after his own image. He'll follow his own heart and he'll mislead him away. So it's wise to ask, does this make sense? Does this make sense to you and find people you do? And then if you'll go in here, and this is one of the themes of all of 1 John, and you're going to hear especially from the rest of the, the preachers. When I read the next parts about the fact is that when it says the, you will isolate yourself from the, from the body of believers, uh, wisdom of this world tries to isolate yourself and get you alone. And it reminds me of an illustration of a movie. I like movies, and I saw the movie Gladder, Gladiator. Anybody seen Gladiator? There was a scene in Gladiator where... Uh, the, the star of the show, he's a, he's a gladiator fighter, and he's tough, and he knows how to beat people, and they're all kind of realizing that he's become their ringleader, and they're going out into the arena and so that they can be kind of uh, showcased and be destroyed, and he stops and he says, listen, whatever comes out of those gates, we have a better chance of surviving if we stay as one. And it hit me. Satan is trying to divide us and tear us apart with different kinds of doctrines and different types of things because he knows if he can separate us, we can be picked off. If we stay as one, and this is what Jesus said in his last days, he says, oh, I want you to understand that I'm going, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. And I'll ask the Father, and he'll send the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and he'll come and be with you. He, I am with you now, but he will be in you. And then you will know that as I was one with the Father, you can be one with me, and then we'll see that you can be one with one another. His thing is about oneness, and you can't do this Christian life alone. You can't do it. You will begin to quarrel against good, sound thinking. And when they came out of those gates, if you'll notice one of them, I think if some of you saw the movie, they ran, one guy got alone, he was going to fight him, and he was destroyed instantly. The other ones realized they got together and they overcame. And so as I look at this portion of Scripture, these are the things that stand out that will bring application into my life. And I would go ahead and say, okay, God, there is a day, it's coming, we may be in the day, and this Antichrist is going to come, and he's going to proclaim that he can give us life outside of Christ, and he is a liar. Because you're the only one that gives life, and I will not look for life outside of you. I won't try to get it from outside coming in. I won't try to say I'm okay and I'm secure because a certain person in Washington was voted in. That is antichrist. I'm okay because you are life and you are the one that possesses life and you alone. And therefore, God, don't let me take on also this spirit of instead of Christ, antichrist, in my own personal life. And then I would probably get quiet and I probably would tell you that God would probably show me where I am doing that and there would be a place of repentance at that point in studying the Word. 
I think if you ever study the Word, there's always a revelation because the Holy Word exposes sin in your life and my life. And I would basically probably say, Father, I have saw, I've seen where I've played the Antichrist spirit. I have seen where I've put something and my trust in something other than you instead of you. Guys, if you are so freaked out about this election or who's going to be right or wrong, all it takes is to bend your knee and say, you're sorry you've put somebody in a place that only Christ belongs. God says there's no strength, no power, no reigning that comes from the south, the west, the east, or the north, but I'm the one that sets up one and puts it on another. I'm the one that controls this world, and I control it, and none of my plans are going to be thwarted. If you can go ahead and bow your knee and say, God, I have put trust in people rather than you, then just repent. God's quick to forgive. I prepared this in many ways, and you know how many times I would hear something on the news, and I'd go right back to doing, playing the Antichrist? I'd say, you know what, God? I'm not going to listen to the dang news. I've got news right here that I know is accurate, and it's truthful. See, I have people on both sides of the, uh, the, of the sides of uh, politics, and both of them accuse the other ones of lying. And I would say they probably are, because God says, I looked down upon the human race, and not one was honest. Not one. So I'm going to take the history book right here and realize God's not shook up. And so I would repent about the Antichrist. And then it would move on into here and say, okay, anything that's not confessing Jesus Christ and him alone be exalted is of the Antichrist. God, I'm not going to add anything to you, and I'd probably find out where I've added places to him. And then it goes on to say, remember this, the anointing, and this is huge, that when you came to faith, it's very important, God says that I'm not going to leave you alone, I am going to send the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit is going to be the anointing that will come inside you, that will empower you and fill you, and he will begin to reveal truth, and he'll begin to give you discernment so you can discern between error and truth. And when he does, make sure you hold on to that. For this anointing is yours, and therefore, because of that, I can now enter into being a container that now pours out unto other people. And that's why he says, when he tells you this, he says, when you abide in me, I told you this, so you guys will have complete joy in the midst of a chaotic world. And that how you'll know this is by keeping my commandments. What is my commandment? That you now are a container to love one another. Does this make sense to you at all? I had a couple of things just as we were going through here that revealed to me, and I think they're really cool. So I'd ask you to do something here. This is going to be the most profound theological statement. Stay in your pajamas and wait till Christmas. Let's pray. Father, our flesh is so busy. It so wants to war against you. I can, I can be up here standing and hear your words coming in my, my heart and your scriptures, and yet my flesh still pokes its head out, its ugly head. I thank you that you came to destroy that. And you came so that we might be able to go ahead and abide in you and let your Holy Spirit reign inside us. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you shine your light into every individual here and show them the little places that they, we have exchanged loyalty 
And instead of you, Christ, we have trusted in people or politics or whoever it might be. We confess that in the name of Jesus that you forgave us for that sin. We never want to make you small. For you are what this world is all about. And we ought to be first and foremost the ones that can walk proudly because you win the final show. And you said, as Michael said, every knee in heaven and earth will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ alone is God and he is supreme. And we want to confess that today as we sing this song. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.